Welcome to the Weekly Walk Podcast, where we bring you impactful sermons from our vibrant Seventh-day Adventist community in Onalaska, Washington. Join us as we explore faith, hope, and love through engaging sermons and inspiring stories. Whether you're a longtime member or just curious about our beliefs, tune in to find spiritual nourishment and a sense of community in our shared journey of faith. Good morning and happy Sabbath. Good morning and happy Sabbath. Uh, Brother Jordan is not here, but uh, he has requested that I record uh, a the sermon and the message because some of you may or some of you do not know he has a podcast for the Onalaska uh, uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church, which you can download on your phones, and so. I am not somebody who's very uh, techy, and I'm ensuring that the recording is going on so that happens. Um, so with that being said, thank you for your patience. It's a blessing to be here this morning. Are you all joyful to be in the house of God? Amen. Can I say a happy new year to each one of you? This is the first Sabbath of 2024, so happy new year. Oh, it is certainly not a time that I would have thought that we would actually have the year 2024. It sounded so far in the future, and it's just another reminder that we do not know God's timing. I remember when I was freshly out of college, and I was sure that President Bush was going to be the last president of the United States. I was sure about that because when I saw the incoming president at the time, uh, which would have been President Obama, I said, certainly there are issues here and I don't know that we can go down that path. And then I was sure President Obama was going to be the last president and then President Trump came. And I was sure he was going to be the last. Well, you get the point. It almost feels like it. But the point, brothers and sisters, is that here we are in 2024, and I believe this is going to be a very interesting year. As a result of that, I also do believe that now, more than ever, we need to strengthen and prepare one another to stand. The time of preparation is shortening, and as we can only imagine when a crisis hits, you cannot begin to prepare at that point. And in my personal studying and watching, in my praying, in my seeking God's guidance in my life, as I mentioned last week and I will mention again this week, I have come personally to a place where I see that more than understanding simply the events that are happening, which are extremely important, we must understand and know Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, this is life eternal, speaking to his Father, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And so when Christ set that information before his disciples, right before his death, you will recall 
that he had given them the prophetic sermon, Matthew chapter 24. Remember that sermon when they asked him, what shall be the sign of thy coming? And what shall be the sign of all these things that you have spoken about? Because they understood that once Jerusalem is destroyed, certainly the end of the world has come. And Christ gave them a prophetic exposition of the things that would be happening. But even after all that, he went on to say in that prayer that we have just mentioned, a snippet of it, that eternal life consists of knowing, of having a connection with somebody and not just an intellectual understanding of things that are happening. And that's why it's true I can take time for us to see some of the very startling things that are happening in the world right now. We can take time and, 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 and see how nature, how uh, nations, how everything is being strained to the limit. But as we have come together here, the Lord makes it clear that now more than ever, it is time for us to know Jesus and to know him in a deepening, increasing, more relevant way than we have ever known. I pray that 2024 might be the year that we would each and all, each and every one have an understanding of the lovely Jesus. We're going to be studying this morning a, what I would say, a New Year's message. A New Year's message. Our study is entitled Opportunities and Possibilities. Opportunities and Possibilities. But first, say it with me. Jesus. Jesus. Let us have a prayer and we will enter into God's holy word. Please pray with me as we come before the Father's presence. Father, we are so thankful, grateful, honored to call you Father. If there is a time more than ever you are seeking to manifest and reveal and strengthen your children, it is now before the storm. This is what was revealed by the revelator when the winds were beginning, the winds were beginning to blow, and an angel came from the east, crying with a loud voice, Hurt not the earth, nor the trees, nor the grass, nor any man except those who have the seal of God, or till we have sealed on the foreheads the servants of God. And then again, it was revealed that that seal on the foreheads, in their foreheads was the name of the Father. And so we are privileged to understand these things at this time, wanting to, to, to honor you, to glorify you, wanting to be comforted as we sense winds that are blowing all about us. This morning, Father, I ask that as we begin a new year afresh, that you would please pour your spirit on us. And in that spirit, we are told there is, yes, much light. There is also much power, but there is also sweet love, joy, and peace. And that's what we are asking for at this time. 
So now we pray that that spirit may be breathed upon us. And as we enter into the study this morning, I ask that you will please be with our hearts, our ears. Please be with my lips, guide and direct, that I will be a conduit, that you may be able to speak freely, and that self will be hidden completely, and that Jesus may be lifted up before us. We thank you for hearing and answering, for we ask it in his precious, in his lovely name. Amen. There were many things that Paul could have spoken on. In fact, he himself mentions to us that so much was revealed to his mind that he even considered it unlawful for him to speak everything that had been revealed. And yet, in, 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 in the intensity of his heart, when he was faced with giving and imparting to his, uh, to his sheep, the sheep that were under his care, he determined that I need to ensure that I am feeding the flock with the necessary food that will strengthen them when their faith was to be tried. Now, God, through Jeremiah, had prophesied of a kind of experience that the pastors would need to ensure that the flock was healthy because there are always wolves, there are always lions, there are always forces that would seek to, uh, to, to uh, steal or destroy the experience of the sheep. We're going to begin our journey this morning in the book of Jeremiah. If you can turn there with me, the Old Testament. Jeremiah, the third chapter, and we're going to notice a prophecy that God had, or God has, really, for each and every one of us. Jeremiah, we're going to begin with chapter 3. And I want us to see in verse 15 what Paul is going to be seeking to fulfill in his appearing to the flock, in his ministry to the flock. Jeremiah chapter 3, and notice with me verse 15. This is a pledge and a promise from God to his people. And I will give you what? Pastors. Shepherds, according to my heart, which shall feed you with what? Two things. With knowledge and with understanding. The work of the pastor was to feed the flock with knowledge and with understanding. Now, what kind of knowledge? Of all the things that the great apostle Paul had in his experience, what kind of knowledge did he find valuable to feed with his people? This we turn to the first Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, and it is the anchor text for today, read to us by our sister Rose. First Corinthians chapter three, chapter two. And we see the, the knowledge and the understanding that Christ, speaking through Paul, was going to give to the flock in Corinth. First Corinthians chapter two, and beginning with verse number one, the Bible says, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, 
I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now notice in verse 2 what his determination was. The Bible says, For I determined not to know or reveal anything among you, save what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. The word save or accept can also be translated as but. If everything could be revealed and only one was permitted, Paul saw it necessary that it would be Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is something there that we need to understand as we step into the new year concerning Christ and concerning the excellency of that knowledge, of that understanding, that here, which had been prophesied by Jeremiah, Paul is seeking to feed his flock, and that we are seeking to repeat this morning. Opportunities and possibilities. When you think of a new year, many of us think of this as another opportunity to press the reset button. Maybe we have failed in the past year, we had certain goals and desires and dreams, and somehow in the human mind, a new year offers another chance for us to re-engage and remake the kind of reality that we want. So maybe we come up with a list of goals or of uh, tasks or resolutions, we call them. And sometimes the older we get, brothers and sisters, we realize how in no time those goals have gone by the wayside. And so we become jaded. Some of us don't even make New Year's resolutions anymore. We're like, no, I, I already know I'm going to fail. But there is something about a new year that offers a new opportunity or a new possibility. And all these things are a symbol for hope. Hope that. This can be a better year. In fact, when we were taking our praises and prayer requests this morning, several, several times we heard the request, I hope that this year will be a good year, will be a better year. So a new year is a symbol of a new beginning, as it were, or hope. But the reality, brothers and sisters, in a world that is increasingly hectic, frantic, disillusioned, reveals to us that this hope, as quickly as it comes, can be quickly shattered. And so is there anything that can anchor us? Is there anything that can hold us when everything around us seems to be failing? And so, Jesus... Uh, is the answer. Now, over here on the screen, we have uh, what I call a false first. I know some of you may have seen this sign. Some people have it on their kitchen. But first, coffee, right? Has anyone seen that sign before? I've seen it, I've seen it several times. I've gone to people's homes, or maybe you may have it. Uh, and this is a false first, but I want us to think about what this means as we get into the thought and the study this morning. You know, oftentimes when we are a reason or when we wake up to a new day, a new beginning, we might not necessarily be feeling at our best. And so we need something to give us energy, to give us pep, to give us strength. 
And so the first thing is we go for that coffee maker, right? Well, hopefully not. But the point, I, the, the, the idea here being that often we look at coffee as that, that uh, catalyst to get us going. The energy, the giver of energy. But anyone who has been listening to some of the health talks that have been given, we know that coffee and other such items are like robbers that give us a false sense of energy, a false sense of vigor, but in reality, it is not what we need. But it's interesting because we see this all around and we understand that humanity is ever seeking for something to begin the day or to begin the year aright. Now this, this, this study this morning is very simple and we just want to look at why Jesus is what we need first in our lives. There are going to be several texts that we're going to look at. I have some of them already written there for you. Uh, but we want to look at what Jesus means to us. In this new year, why do we need to have an understanding of Jesus? Why did Paul say, I determined not to know or reveal anything among you except or but Jesus and him crucified? The question is, what does Jesus actually mean to me? If we do not know the answer to this, brothers and sisters, we're in for a very rough and trying time. And so we will journey briefly through the book of John. John the Beloved was one who knew him in an intimate way, in an intimate context. And we're going to look at some of the statements concerning Jesus himself, what he says, what he reveals, and what he means to us. And so here is the first one, John chapter 4. Uh, the setting is an interview. We know this, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. And in that interview, the woman who has been seeking for something in her own life, physically at that moment she is seeking for water. She had gone to get water out of the well. And in the course of the interview, if we can turn to the book of John, John the fourth chapter, we see Christ say something very key, very interesting uh, or essential to our understanding of Jesus, but first Jesus. John chapter 4, and we want to look at what dialogue is taking place between the woman and Christ. John 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. John chapter 4 and verse number 9. The, the, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. In other words, they are separate. They don't mix. Notice in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, if you understood the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee what? living water. Christ is now trying to, 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 to rivet her mind, to prepare her mind to receive the truth of who Jesus is to her. 
Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, hast thou, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? She still is understanding things in a natural sense. Christ is trying to prepare her mind to receive a spiritual truth. We're going to skip down to verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And now the woman is ready. She's ready to receive what Jesus is saying to her. And so she says, sir, give me of this living water. And we know the rest of the interview. Very, very beautiful uh, back and forth as Christ is drawing this woman's heart to him and the woman is understanding and kind of resisting but still being attracted. And then we drop down to verse number 25. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he shall come, he will tell us all things. In other words, I understand that the anointed of God will come and will solve all the problems and will reveal to us how to live, how to worship, how to exist or coexist. And Jesus in verse 26 says unto her, I that speak unto you am him. The first point we need to understand, brothers and sisters, as we venture into this year, what does Jesus mean to me practically? When you read and understand the context of what's happening in this interview, Jesus presents himself as the living water. Now, can we exist without water in our day-to-day -day affairs? No, we cannot. Water is that gift of God in the, natural, in the natural scheme of things. But in the spiritual, Christ is as the living water. And so here in his capacity to fulfill and satisfy us, notice when Christ said, I will give you the water to drink, and when you drink of that water, you will not thirst again. When you look at what's happening in the, in the world today, People are constantly seeking for something to satisfy them. And the more we go round and round and we find that the common does not satisfy us, we're seeking for a different experience. We're seeking for a more satisfying and a more fulfilling experience. And it's getting more and more frantic in our search for fulfillment. And there is only one thing that will satisfy us. And that is Jesus, the Messiah, the living water. Have you drunk of the water for yourself today? If 2024 is going to be a successful year, brothers and sisters, we're going to need to come to a place where understanding who Jesus is to us, we must drink of him daily, moment by moment. When we are thirsty, Spiritually speaking, we will find in Christ the solution to our need. Christ, the living water. John chapter 6 verse 51. 
Christ was intensely in another aspect of his ministry this morning in the children's story. This is what he's referring to. He was uh, feeding the multitudes. And he pivoted from that experience. The next day, this event happens. The previous day, he had fed them physical bread. All right? But the next day, he wanted to give them the spiritual realities of what the previous day had referred, what, what Christ's physical actions had actually symbolized. And so on the next day, those who had eaten of the physical food previously came to him, and Christ began to reveal to them the truth that they needed to understand, and, and, and now revealing to us here in 2024 the truth that we need to understand. John chapter 6, if you can turn there with me, John chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up in verse 20. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse, tw uh, verse 26. John chapter 6, verse 26. I'm going to look at a few texts where Christ is seeking to draw the minds, draw the hearts and the experiences of his hearers to him. And brothers and sisters, one thing I realize, Jesus will never force any child of his. Part of his pact or covenant of love is hinged on the fact that you and I, his child needs to make that decision to come to him from, for themselves. And so he begins to reveal things that will either draw or that will repel. And the question I want for you and I to answer in our own minds is, does Jesus attract me? Does his loveliness draw me? Or am I not as interested? Am I repelled by the dryness of his experience? Beginning in verse, verse number 26, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because you saw the miracle, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. What is Christ saying here? You see, the previous day when Christ broke the fish and the bread and multiplied it and they took crumbs, Christ was not merely physically trying to attract people to himself. And so Christ is saying, you are not seeking me today because you actually understood, you perceived what that meant. But you are seeking me because there was a physical benefit that you received from me. Do we find ourselves simply clinging to God because of the things we want from him? Please give me this. Please provide this. And even though that is something that he does invite us to do, is that the end of his relationship with us? A God who simply is a a rewarder of, of, of physical stuff. And Christ here wants us to understand that there is something deeper for us in satisfying our need. In this year, 2024, are we seeking Jesus because of the physical benefits merely? Or do we see and understand the miracle? So Christ here says, you are not coming to me because you perceived what I am, but because you simply received of what I have. Now, in verse 27, labor not 
for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And so begins this dialogue. Just like with the woman at the well, Christ begins trying to unpack and reveal to them the treasures of who he is. But first, Jesus. Now notice as he comes to the main point, and we'll just jump down to that verse number 35. Verse 34. Verse 34, the, 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 uh, the hearers say, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Does that sound familiar? Echoing what the woman said when Christ revealed to her that if you knew that I had water and you, you, you received this water, you would have asked of me. And then she said, give, give me of that water. And then Jesus said, okay, go and bring your husband. And then Christ began to reveal other issues that she needed to walk through. And so same thing over here, Christ prepares the, 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 the table as it were. And now they're ready to receive the food. And so they said, Lord, give us of this bread. And then notice what Jesus says in verse 35. He said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall what? Never hunger. So now we have, he that comes to me shall never thirst. And now here we have, he that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Back, uh, back and forth, they will continue talking. I'm, we're not going to go through the entire uh, interview here. But what is very evident is it does not go very well in fact if you notice just going all the way to verse uh well let's first look at verse 41 the jews then did what they murmured they complained they grumbled at him because he said i am the bread which came down from heaven and I want, I want to break this down applicably for us. When Christ comes to you as the bread, as what you need, as was revealed to the children, give us this day our daily bread. When God gives Christ his ways, his truth, his correction to you, will you be found murmuring, grumbling, complaining about what God has given? We may perhaps not readily want to admit or think that that's the case, but how many of us have been struggling with a problem that does not seem to have any letter? Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's an annoying individual. Maybe it's a thorny issue. Whatever it is, and the first or natural thing to do is to murmur or complain. I want to suggest, brothers and sisters, that in this new year, consider that Christ may be hidden in that problem, in that bread. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. 
the problems that come to us are actually sometimes the living bread that we need. Okay, let us go to Deuteronomy real quick and then we'll move on. I just, I just want us to see this. Do you remember in the wilderness how God uh, gave the children manna to eat for 40 years? Why did he do that? Turn with me Deuteronomy chapter 8 for us to appreciate and understand what was happening. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And notice with me in verse number 2 and 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know or reveal what was in thine heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And then in verse 3, and he did what? He humbled thee and he suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did your fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. And when we pray to God, and God perhaps is not answering or taking away the thorn, could it be that that's his word or bread for us? That's what I mean when I say that Jesus, being the living bread, may be couched, may be hidden in some of the problems, some of the trials, some of the annoyances that we may be called to bear this year. And instead of murmuring and grumbling, if we can go back to John chapter 6, are we ready to receive of that bread of life? Verse 51, let's just read that before we move on. John chapter 6 and verse 51. Jesus again says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the bread of life. And now the Jews are striving. I mean... If I can use the term, everything just has broken loose. Christ is, is saying things that should not be said. So now for murmuring and grumbling, now they are striving. And Christ does not let up. In fact, he intensifies his statement and it becomes so, 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 so heated as it were that when you come to the end of it, John chapter 6 and verse 66, the Bible says, from that time, many of his disciples did what? Went back and walked no more with him. What does that mean for us? There are going to be experiences, brothers and sisters, that God in his infinite mercy might be giving us to eat. And if we murmur, and strive and complain and refuse the bread that is to humble us, that is to, 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 to try us, excuse me, we will find ourselves in a position that we find no more attraction in God's ways. And the warning here for us is to take heed. Take heed, brothers and sisters. Christ is the living water. Christ is the living bread. But Jesus also says to us, I am the what? The light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. And so we will see that Christ is 
in every need that we may have the answer to our solution. Is anyone here in darkness? We see darkness all around us, don't we? Look at the state of morality in the present day in which we are living. The confusion is out of this world. Men, women, children, the darkness is beyond comprehension as it were. But what does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Brothers and sisters, when we are surrounded in darkness, the darkness of lies, the darkness of moral corruption, whatever the darkness may be, the first place that we can turn to with safety to properly orient us is Jesus, the light of the world. Go with me to John chapter 1 before we move to our next point. John chapter 1. And we will pick up in verse uh, 5. John chapter, John chapter 1 verse 4 is speaking about Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In verse 5, and the light, or the life, shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, I want us to notice, what was the light? The life. The life. The life of Jesus is the light. His life was the light. What does that mean for me in this new year? Really, what does that actually mean? It means that the life of Jesus in you and in me received is what is going to be the light. And if we reject the life of Christ, then we abide in darkness. That's number one. Number two, just because you are walking in the light or in the life of Christ does not necessarily mean that those around you will appreciate the light. Because the Bible says that the darkness comprehended it not. So when Jesus is our light, brothers and sisters, it does not mean that everybody around us will rejoice for the fact that we have the light of Christ in our pathway. You follow what I mean? It is not our duty to try to make everybody like us. In fact, when we try to do that, not only will we not be liked by everybody, but we will end up compromising the actual principles that we should be standing for. Jesus is the door. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the what? The door. Now, what is a door, brothers and sisters? What does a door symbolize, if I should ask? Okay, so the door is Christ, but a door is entrance. But what else is a door? When you think about it, let's, let's think of 
a, 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 yes, let's think of what sheep actually need. What do sheep need? They need protection, ultimately, right? Ultimately, yes, they need food, guidance, they need all these things. But when you think of the, 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 the idea of, of sheep, sheep are very uh, needy creatures. They don't know how to defend themselves. They need an outside defender, if you will. So security, the door is a symbol for security. Jesus is going to be our security, amen? It is not necessarily going to be the government. Jesus is going to be the one who we need to understand is our shield. Abraham understood this. The, the, uh, the passage where God came and spoke to him and said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward was a great source of comfort. And as we enter into a year that is unpredictable, we have no idea what this year has in store. But brothers and sisters, Jesus says, I am the door. The door, essentially, the function of the door is to allow what comes in and what stays out. And if we can trust that Jesus knows what needs to come in and what needs to stay out, how secure can we be as sheep? You, you, you follow what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate. Jesus is the door. Notice again what Jesus says. He's not only the door, but he's the what? The good shepherd. Jesus knows what the sheep need. Jesus knows what you and I individually need. Brothers and sisters, this point is so important. Perhaps it may seem a little obvious, but when you actually break down what it is saying, when we understand what this means, we can have peace in the middle of the storm. If Jesus knows what I need because he's the shepherd, then what need do I have of being worried and of being concerned and of being frazzled by the things that are happening around me? None. Let us just quickly finish up with the other ones. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what does Jesus mean to you? I'm just going to go to uh, Matthew. If you can turn with me, Matthew chapter 16. As we begin our descent, Matthew chapter 16, men, the world, the church may have their ideas of who Jesus is. And we have seen that we need Jesus first. But who is Jesus and why does that matter? What does that have to do with me this year of great unknown. And so Jesus had a very interesting question one day, and we pick it up in verse number, uh, let's actually begin in verse 13. Uh, he, asks a, he asks a question, 
that I think each one of us needs to understand when we say, but first Jesus. Let's ask ourselves or, 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 or enter into the question that Christ asked his disciples in verse 13, uh, Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he asks you and I today, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some, thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremias, or one of the prophets. In other words, people think and say that you are a good man. Breaking it down to us or applying it to us. People will say, well, Christianity may be a good thing. Christ may be a good man. And then Jesus says to them, but whom say you that I am? And in verse number 16, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, that is the anointed or Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus, how does Jesus respond to that in verse 17? He says unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, that is, a small rolling stone, like a pebble. And, or but, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we understand Jesus and what all he means to us on a personal level, the divine Son of God, brothers and sisters, the truth will strengthen us in such a way that all the things that seem to destabilize, to worry, to concern, will somehow be unable to beat down the walls of Christ being in us, the hope of glory. These are the ideas that Paul had in mind when he determined not to know or reveal anything but Christ. He is everything to the believer and when peter revealed this truth christ said it was not you or any other individual who has revealed this to you it is my father who's revealing these things because hell is going to seek to prevail against the church and when we look at everything happening in the world today we need to understand the hope that we have in christ that hope is anchored in his divine nature, in his divinity, as Mrs. White says. Now, there are four aspects that I will just quickly highlight here when we talk about, but first, Jesus. Four things that Christ offers you and me today. I'll just quickly mention them as we close. Christ has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Christ offers you and me partnership. Will you be his partner 2024? Number two, Christ offers us 
peace. John 14 and verse 27. My peace, I live with you. Peace is one of the world's present-day most elusive commodity. But Jesus offers you and I peace. When we say, but first Jesus, it is peace that he's offering us today. Will you receive of his peace? Thirdly, Jesus offers us what? Profit. <clears throat> now, there is a mad dash and a mad desire for making profit as far as the profits that fade away, the money, the gold, the, the treasures of this earth. And the Bible says those things are elusive. They will pass away. Not that there's anything intrinsically evil, but they're not going to endure to eternal life. But speaking about Jesus, he will teach you and I how to profit. Finally, Jesus offers you and I power. The power, as it were, to tread on serpents, the discouragements, the sensitive areas that may bring us down, whatever those things may be. Christ offers us power to have dominion over the enemy and over all his schemes for us. Those four things, brothers and sisters, is what when we use the term, but first Jesus, is his offering for us. We have seen this afternoon, Christ in his fullness as living water, as bread, as a door, as light, as, as, as the good shepherd. We have seen him as the Messiah, as the son of the living God. He is what we need in 2024. And I would leave or close by asking you this question. Will you take Jesus first? Amen. I pray, I, I, I encourage, and I exhort each and every one of you, the first thing when you rise in the morning, make it a habit. Try it. Make it a habit. Thank you, Lord, for this new day. Learn to talk to him as you would talk to your partner. The very first thing, even before you open your eyes, when you're still coming into uh, the real realization that a new day has begun, right? It's not the coffee. It is the true and living energy, Jesus. And we will find in him the solution to all our needs. Can we at least place ourselves in a willing position. I don't want to ask, can we make that resolution? Because our resolutions, our promises are like ropes of sand. But at least are we willing to give him a chance to enter into a living connection with us? Are we willing, brothers and sisters, for that? If we are, I know that though we do not understand what 2024 has, we can know that if Christ is by our side, the gates of hell may try to prevail, but as he said to Peter, they will not be able to prevail against it. May the Lord guide and direct us as we continue in our journey this year, as we have begun a new year, that our walk with him will be solid. My prayer is that the Lord may bless each and every one of you to this end. Let us close in prayer. 
Father, we've, we have entered into a new year with its new opportunities, its new possibilities. But first, Jesus. We have seen and we believe that what he has to offer us cannot be excelled by anything else that the world has to offer. And I pray that we will not murmur or complain, that we will not strive or reject what you have to offer us. Perhaps it may not be the most appealing. It might not be what we, in our understanding, may have chosen. But what are we compared to you? And so you have given us a solution. You have given us the light when we are in darkness, water when we are in thirst, bread when we are in hunger, a solid door when we need security, a shepherd who guards that door when we need that guidance and assurance. Jesus is all the world to us. Jesus is the answer that the world needs to hear today. And so just like Paul determined not to reveal anything but Jesus, it is my prayer that this year will be a year of exploring practically what does he mean to us. And when we are assailed by the enemy, by those gates of hell as it were, may we remember that it is a divine savior that we're talking about, that, that we have hold from beneath and from above. We thank you that he is in full control. We pray that this year may be a year that you will have your way in our life. And that finally, we may learn how to walk consistently with you. I pray for old and young. I pray that all of us here may try Jesus. First thing, when we rise. Last thing, when we lay. Thank you for hearing and answering. Thank you for bringing us through this study. We bless you in the precious and lovely name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this journey through faith and community. As we conclude today's episode, we encourage you to carry the spirit of fellowship and compassion into your week ahead. Remember, in On Alaska and beyond, let's continue to spread love and understanding, reflecting the teachings of Christ in all that we do. If you ever find yourself in the neighborhood, feel free to stop in and say hi. We will gladly share a meal with you. Till next week.